0: Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Ira Pastor about regenerative medicine for repair and remodeling of the damaged central nervous system. This episode is brought to you by Minnesota Functional Neurology. Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in Minnesota. They have greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. For those of you who don't know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post. And I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. And I very recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury. You can find that on Amazon. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com. And also, be sure you check out the Brain Health Online Summit that will begin next week on March 1st, and it runs the entire month of March, but you do have to be registered. Go to com to get registered. Today, I am very excited for my guest, Ira Pastor. He is the Chief Executive Officer at BioCork Inc. He has over 30 years' experience across multiple sectors of the pharmaceutical industry, including pharmaceutical commercialization, biotech, biotech drug development, managed care distribution, OTC, and retail. He has served as VP in business development for drug development company Fiomedics. And prior to that, he was employed by Smith-Klein Beecham Pharmaceuticals, working in sales, marketing, and business strategy positions. He has also served as vice president of corporate development for the pharmacy benefit management company Prescription Delivery Systems. He has an MBA from Temple University and a BS in pharmacy from Rutgers University. He is also a board member of RegenerAge, SAPI, and a member of the Executive Council of the World Academy of Medical Science, and a member of the World Economic Forum's Human Enhancement. So, welcome to the podcast, Ira. I'm very happy to have you here today.
1: Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. This is great.
0: So I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say. You know, I know our topic, um, regenerative medicine for repair and remodeling of the central uh, of the damaged central nervous system. And, you know, I would love to just start by having you just give us some background and how you got into pharmaceutical and how that's kind of led you to where you are right now.
1: Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was um, sort of brought up in this. Industry from a very young age. Um, My father was a pharmacist here in the Philadelphia area back in the 1960s and had a a small chain of uh, drug stores. Uh, So I was, you know, a very early age. I was always around, you know, prescription medications and consumer products and healthcare. So it was sort of preordained. I followed in his footsteps. Uh, And then, you know, so I went to pharmacy school, I went to business school, and then sort of the dynamics would have it that I sort of Went through the circuit of uh, everything out there in this industry. Um, Our company uh, was acquired by Big Pharma, Klein Beecham, where I I went inside and sort of learned the the commercial side of the big drug business. Uh, From there, I went uh, into sort of smaller uh, biotech and learned everything that uh, was involved in sort of taking a, a new chemical or a new substance from nothing and creating a new drug out of it and bringing it to clinical development. Uh, and that brought me on to, you know, what I'm doing now in the you know, rather cutting edge area of regenerative medicine because, you know, as exciting as the sort of the prior 30 years were um, the, the fact that, you know, still in the 21st century and uh, year 2018, we we're still really lacking uh, cures, curative interventions as opposed to treatment uh, for many of the diseases out there, the chronic degenerative diseases responsible for our suffering and death, um, wanted to do something a little different <laughs> with, with this sort of next step of my career. And, you know, combine that, and I say this in a joking fashion, but really, you know, it was one of the earlier things. You know, from a young age, I was always, you know, a big fan of science fiction, a big fan of, you know, I was always interested, you know, how can we use the technologies that we have for the real advancement, or sort of the big changes uh, for the human condition? So put one and one together, and that's sort of where I am today and why I'm, I'm doing something so unique and sort of bleeding edge uh, compared to where I was in the past.
0: You know, talking about science fiction and how – you know, remember when we were kids and the there was always, like, talk of video phones and everybody was like, oh, that'll never happen, you know, and, and the the person you're calling would have to have one, too, and, you know, that'll never happen. And then, you know, then the iPhone happened and FaceTime and Skype and, you know, it's just, it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, sci-fi is not always so far off, right? Um So right. I read- Sorry. How, how would you define regenerative medicine? What, how would you explain that to our listeners who might not really understand what that means?
1: So, you know, we define regenerative medicine as, as the ability uh, to either uh, repair or replace lost or damaged cells, tissues, organs, and potentially even entire limbs that are identical. Uh, in both structure and function, okay, to the original one that you have. Um, These are capabilities in sort of the world of regeneration uh, that's out there that we don't possess nowadays. Well, humans possess other forms of regeneration. I mean, obviously, uh, the fast turnover tissues of our bodies, our blood, our skin, the lining of our gut, uh, turnover all the time. Uh, We also have a very excellent wound healing response because we are a, a species that uh, bleeds uh, quite rapidly when we're injured and we die very rapidly from loss of blood. So sort of we have been blessed via the forces of, of evolution and so forth with uh, a great scar formation capability. Uh, but when it comes to actually replacing in its entirety what we lose, um, those capabilities sort of wave goodbye to us <laughs> hundreds of millions of years ago with the, the amphibians and, and other lower organisms. And sort of that's sort of one of our goals in studying these species and sort of going back to nature uh, and taking a look once again at how, uh, whether it's the salamander or the newt uh, or the planarian worm or a zebrafish or whatever, who have these capabilities and try to figure out how do we reconnect uh, with these what we'll call superpowers that, you know, while they may seem like science fiction to humans, they don't have existed on this planet for hundreds of millions of years. So, right. um, sorry for the long answer, but that is in essence, you know, when we call it, think about complete regeneration, we're, we're talking about those uh, friends of ours in nature that can do it. And, and those are the properties that we, that we think about when we're designing our own medical interventions to, to induce these properties.
0: Yeah, you know, and what you're talking about is, you know, for the central nervous system, regenerative medicine, and helping our bodies regenerate that central nervous system. And so why don't you give us a little bit of explanation? I mean, I think for the most part, people understand what central nervous system is, um, but there might be some people listening who don't understand. And, um, you know, what you're working on in regards to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the central nervous system comprises everything um, that makes up your brain. So the higher cortex, um, the brain stem, which controls your independent and breathing, uh, the cerebellum, of course, which controls motor function and balance. And then everything below that uh, then becomes the spinal cord, which is, part of the central nervous system, which allows for the transmission of those impulses and messages um, and electromagnetic information to flow down, which then will interface with the peripheral nervous system, which are the rest of your nerves that then have miles and miles of uh, distance that's panning throughout the rest of your body to send those signals. So when we are looking um, at central nervous system. Uh, and central nervous system regeneration, we are looking at all the places that um, we see not just acute damage, as in the case of traumatic brain injury to the higher brain or spinal cord injury to the spinal cord tissue, but also all of the longer term chronic degenerative diseases of the central nervous system that you know might not be a one time shot. Um, not the fall on the ice or the heart crash, but the Alzheimer's disease, the Parkinson's disease, of multiple sclerosis which slowly eat away at those components of the nervous system. So we are interested in both. The third area we are focused on are known as the more severe disorders of consciousness, um, think persistent vegetative state, a lot of cancer though, coma, and, and a range of, of those conditions. So these are our three major targets. And the proxies we, in essence, use, once again, are going back to those species that can do this. Sibians, as an example, uh, newt salamanders, can have their spinal cord severed completely, uh, only to reform in in their their entirety uh, in a matter of weeks. What is a little less well-known is they can do it to their brain, too. And in many of these species, large parts of their brains can be destroyed entirely. In some cases, as weird as this may sound, cut out and thrown away, And the brain regrows in both perfect structure and function. So we study that. We want to understand what are all of the dynamics that go into regenerating, uh, not just the cells, and this is more than a stem cell project, isn't it? Uh, We're interested in the cells. but We're also interested in all the signals that say, you know what? A brain goes here, a brain of a certain size and structure, uh, and has to form in a certain way. And it also has to reconnect with the healthy tissue that's left behind after a damage or lesion. So we are looking at sort of the entire continuum of events that occur. Uh, not only how we regenerate the tissue that is dying or missing and reconnect it, but also deal with all of the what we we'll call the pathologies behind the scenes um, that, um, let's say do not encourage healthy regeneration. So, for instance, in the case of traumatic brain injury or uh, in of chronic condition, Alzheimer's disease, not only do we have the destruction of the central nervous system that has occurred, but we also have this horrible inflammatory microenvironment left behind. New regeneration and new fresh cell development doesn't like inflammation as an example. So we also want to look at ways, as we're focusing on regeneration, uh, how to keep some of these negative signals at bay that either keep regeneration from happening or encourage scar tissue formation, which is not what we want. Uh, all with the goal of structure and function return, whether it's the spinal cord and reversal paralysis, or whether it's the higher central nervous system, the brain, and uh, the reacquisition of many functions. So these are this is our core mission, as it pertains to
0: um, the CNF You know, I just had uh, Dr. Barry Sears on the podcast this week and he talks a lot about, um, well, he invented the zone diet, but for alleviating inflammation in our body. And, you know, I keep, I, I just feel like inflammation is such a key factor. Like it just keeps coming up over and over and over in a lot of my podcasts. Um, in in how inflammation, you know, is such a hindrance in any form of recovery, whether it's a brain injury or, you know, a broken ankle. Um, so I, it's interesting that you brought that up again and how that is critical in what you guys are doing as well. The interesting thing, just as a side
1: note on that, I mean, inflammation and, you know, there's this uh, grander term now in the sort of um, the gerontology community is sort of inflammation about how not only does inflammation um, impact um, the, the acute disorders, but at the same time, long-term inflammation uh, is, is so very bad for us. But at the same time, interestingly enough, there are components of the inflammatory system that early on are very good for regeneration. And this is one of the the odd things that you know you see in the literature, um, where early on, actually in inflammatory signals, there are growth enhancing factors, there are positive you know cytokines that are very beneficial for. It, but it's the longer term inflammatory microenvironment that is ultimately destructive to the to the longer term regenerative process. So it's. Um, it's, it's unfortunately one of those things you can't wipe out entirely because they're, strangely enough, are beneficial right. purposes mm-hmm. to inflammation in our life. Um, we have to, when we're dealing with things you know, like spinal cord injury, we really have to modulate how much inflammation is around and whether it's a good form of inflammation versus, uh, you know, long-term kind of destructive form.
0: Right. And, I mean, you know, inflammation is our body's response to try to protect ourselves, so I can see how in the early stages it's beneficial, but then the, pro- the prolonged inflammation um, is when you start having bigger problems. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I, I, do you get to, to take part in some of the research that goes on with what you guys are doing? I, I think that would be the really fascinating part um, is seeing – Especially when you start seeing things That work you know that that has to Just be so satisfying to do research Because I know research can take Years and years and years And so it has to be really gratifying
1: Yeah I mean It's um, especially In this I mean we're we're basically We're focused on three Areas we're focused on metabolic diseases We're focused on oncology But neurology really is uh, The big thing for us And you know people may argue well you know, cancer kills more people than neuro- neurological diseases. But I, it, between, between the acute dis- destruction of the central nervous system plus sort of the wave of Alzheimer's and dementia and all sorts of things that are coming our way in the next 10 to 20 years, uh, you can make a pretty good case that neurology is the, the major unmet medical need that that we're all facing. And so, yeah, when I do, I go do go to the lab. And when you look at things like um, some of the things we were doing a few years ago, when we were earlier on and looking at um, sort of animal models, um, rats and guinea pigs and rabbits, for instance. Um, and you know that these organisms do not have the brain regeneration or the central nervous system regeneration capabilities of the salamander or the newt. And you put them into these models, unfortunately, we have to use animal models to conduct these studies early on, but um, when you see Evidence of, you know, anatomical neuroprotection following a wound, uh, or where you look at the biomarkers of neuroregeneration, uh, such as, you know, uh, nitric oxide synthase elevation or you know, beta amyloid, uh, the same factors that are turned on in Alzheimer's disease, we also see in the traumatic brain injury models. Or whether it's the signs of neuroregeneration and a lot of the unique biologic factors you see when new neurons are forming and reconnecting, yes, that's very satisfying because you know not only have you uh, had a successful experiment, but you've done something that, hey, uh, hundreds of millions of years of evolution has not allowed for. You've basically taken an ability that stops it, you know, the amphibian, and you've jumped and you've, started being recapitulated in mammals and hey we're mammals and so and that is just the very beginning of um, you know a very exciting change yeah research takes a long time um, it's full of failure I'm not one to say that uh, you know it, it's always positive uh, it's you know developing new drugs is like a 1 in 40,000 chance nowadays of, of getting to the end zone um, so we know that always odds are stacked against us but know we keep our heads down and we just do our research and we don't listen to uh, naysayers or we don't worry about the odds as we used to when we were new to the beginning
0: you know and and there's so much controversy around medicine and you know what's appropriate what's not appropriate you know are things being done ethically and you know I mean I can only imagine you know the things that you hear and that you have to deal with um, working in the pharmaceutical world, but medicine definitely serves its purpose in our world, and you know especially in traumatic brain injury and spinal cord, you know just to think that there's the possibility that something could come along to help us you know like more severe brain injury where there's definitely been damage to an area that that um that is no longer working and really impairing someone you know, the prospect that that could potentially be reversed to some extent, you know, that's, it's very fascinating. And do you think we'll see it in our lifetime? Like, like, I I know that it's, it's totally a double edged sword question. Um, (laughs) But do you think we'll see that kind of breakthrough in our lifetime? Or do you think that's you know, 50 years out?
1: Oh, no, definitely, and 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 you know, when you when you talk about some of the sort of the ethical and uh, topics and so forth, you know we, we're we're completely open with the fact. You know, we, we announced a couple of years ago that uh, one of the areas of research we were getting involved in, just because it was it was legal and ethically done already, was that of living cadaver research because it is a uh, you know it's one area where you can study the worst of the worst. Uh, types of brain injury um, in humans, and it is a completely legal form of research to, to conduct. Some pharmaceutical companies do it, other hospitals. But So, yeah, I mean, we are interested in the continuum of, of those sort of most severe dynamics leading all the way up to, of course, brain death, which is the, the end of that continuum. Yeah, it's absolutely – I mean, I've gone on record in the past that I believe um, that the reversal of some of these horrific severe disorders of consciousness from coma to persistent vegetative state on up to uh, to the sort of the gray zone of brain death uh, will be reversible. And for one major reason is they're all one uh, cascade, let's say. It's one major sort of ischemic disaster at the end of the day that causes these conditions. Um, it's not like cancer where, you know, you may, you know, have lung cancer, but what are we finding out? There's like 200 different types of lung cancer depending on mutations and so forth. With the central nervous system and sort of the death cascade that occurs, um, it's one process. Uh, whether we're talking about what happens in traumatic brain injury or what happens with you know, catastrophic death to the central nervous system, um, I believe will have a, a more rapid impact than you know, during cancer. So I'm very confident that within the next 5 to 10 years we will see major uh progress on on those fronts,
0: no doubt yeah that's awesome and you know you brought up a really good point you know cancer has many different variables i guess for lack of a better word you know um, where the central nervous system is more straightforward i guess um so that that's a great point and that is really interesting um and you know it's it's so you know i don't want to give anyone false hope here but it is it's really exciting to see that things could progress that quickly and you know what like obviously things have to go through fda approval and there's there's a lot of procedures that have to happen um but you know give us the really cliff notes version of how like once you find that something's working how does that actually go to being a product.
1: Um, well, in the United States, when you find something um, is work, let's just say well, we'll start at the bench. uh something's worked very nice in a uh, a model of traumatic brain injury in animal research, uh, you know, traditionally you're talking about uh, a couple years uh, to so-called first in human dosing or first in human exposure. Uh, and then you have your traditional three um, rounds of clinical development, phase one, normally in healthy volunteers, phase two in a small population of sick volunteers, and then phase three is usually 10 to 12 years nowadays in the rounds, you know, a little over $2 billion. That's more traditional. Um, But we, although we're here in the United States and we're a United States company with a United States program, at the same time, this is 2018. And so um, the really smart people will tell you that if you choose to ignore the globalization of medical training that has occurred and medical research for the last 10 to 15 years, um, you're missing the – and when you see things, for instance, like, you know, Harvard Medical School operating in Dubai now, or uh, Weill Cornell Medical Center uh, in Qatar, or, you know, dozens of U.S. universities that are now operating in China, you begin to see how integrated the world of medical research is becoming. And we have to take account of what's happening in other countries. For instance, Japan last year created what was known as conditional approval, so basically, after phase two, patients with you know, traumatic brain injury or cancer or other diseases may have early access to therapies that are still five years out. This is very exciting because we don't, we don't really have this in the United States yet. We have so-called expanded access programs, very difficult to get into. Uh, here, in Japan has basically said across the board, look, if, if it's an unmet medical need and something looks really good in phase two, let patients try it. Uh, So we like seeing those dynamics, and we like the fact that, hey, uh, it is a global system now, and uh, while we are completely dedicated to the United States, we also have to be elsewhere, whether it's Southeast Asia or the Middle East or South America. We have to have research everywhere nowadays to have a really complete program that that, uh, that can offer patients options.
0: There's a way to
1: to make it 10 years, 7 years? Great. Uh, We're going to look for it.
0: Yeah, that's super fascinating. And it's just, it's, you know, I, this is kind of a whole new world to me. You know, it's not something I ever really paid attention to before my brain injury. And, um, you know, the research is just so fascinating. And we recently had somebody on talking about, you know, the, the ethical guidelines and everything for research. And, you know, if, um, someone wants to be part of a research study, you know, and kind of things to look for. And, and if you're not, if at any point you don't feel comfortable, you know, you can leave the research study and, you know, just how to pay attention to what, what's actually happening in research. And, you know, it sounds like you guys are doing everything right. And it sounds really great. And how can someone find more information If you are looking for research subjects, I don't know if you're at that point yet, but how can someone find that and um, become involved and just to follow the process of what you guys are up to?
1: Um, I mean, they, uh, come to our website at bioquark.com. We sort of list everything that we have going on on both the, the research front, the you know, business partnerships uh, with, you know, other clinics around the world, other research organizations. We don't have a large amount of clinical work going on right now, but one thing I do encourage everyone listening across the board um, become familiar with the clinicaltrials.gov database that is run by our National Institutes of Health. Um, it is a, an essential tool. Uh, and, and, and do it before... Uh, you know, it might not always be the case, but do it before something gets you know beyond the scope of your current clinician. Research what clinical trials are going on. And it's usually the case, you know, it might not be that things are happening always at the Mayo Clinic or Johns Hopkins, but maybe you'll find a clinical study for something 50 miles away at the, a more regional hospital. Find out about these options because it's a very small percentage of all patients uh, in the United States and abroad ever even investigate clinical trial options when they have a, an unmet medical need. and this is a bit of a shame the, the number' like eighty like less than five percent of all cancer deaths uh, throughout the world anyone ever looks for a clinical trial so it's really important that people become aware of, of sort of the global system of clinical research that's out there
0: mm-hmm. and what's that website again?
1: Uh, just clinical trials all one word dot gov geo Clin- and it's run it's run by trials. our national mm-hmm. It's run by the NIH. It has clinical trials from everywhere in the world uh, in it, so it's really a nice integrated resource. That uh, you know, you put in traumatic brain injury, and uh, like I guarantee you today, know, forty trials will come up with something happening somewhere uh, around the world. So.
0: Yeah. And I encourage people, you know, if you can find a clinical trial near you, yeah. it's definitely worth worth looking into. I had looked into one. It was about four hours away from me and the time commitment, like I would have had to drive there and back like three times a week. <laughs> um, it was just yeah, too so cool. much for me to really do it. But I had really wanted to do it because it was really interesting, um, but it just wasn't practical for me. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But I should, you know, I should look again, there might be closer options because I know right here in Minnesota at HCMC and we have Mayo Clinic and we have a lot of research going on here in Minnesota. So it would be worth looking again. Well, Ira, thank you so much for being here. This is really, really interesting. Um, Like I said, I think you're the very first uh, person I've had on talking about pharmaceutical and I I just, I I hope that people took some good stuff away from this and that there's definitely hope, um, for, for something that can help us regenerate our nervous system. And, you know, I I think even in a mild traumatic brain injury, I could see where this could definitely be a benefit.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I really appreciate, uh, the time, uh, you've given so we can uh, talk a bit and, um, I look forward to staying in touch and potentially coming back when we have more data.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. Keep me updated. That would be great. So thanks again, Ira. I appreciate you being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you found this as interesting as I did. And, again, that was Ira Pastor with BioCork Inc. And just another big thank you to our sponsor, Minnesota Functional Neurology. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. And be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And be sure that you get registered for the Brain Health Online Summit. Um, That begins next week on March 1st and runs the entire month of March. So even if you're listening to this um, a little bit later in March, you can still register and the recordings are available. You can get all the recordings in case you missed any of the live episodes, and those will be available for $29 with proceeds going to the Brain Injury Association of America. So thank you everyone for listening. Thank you so much for being part of my journey, and I will see you guys all again in the next episode. Have a great day.